Chris, how are you doing? Great, and yourself? I could use about 20 more hours of sleep, but also I'm also at the place where it's like, I don't want to sleep anymore. I'm tired of sleeping. If they made a pill where I only had to like sleep for like 30 minutes, I would take it immediately. Um, take it from me. Sleep is like... Overrated. No. <laughs> it is golden. It is worth its weight in absolute gold. Yeah, but if they made a pill or like you just put on like a weird little brain mask thing and you'd like you're able to get eight hours of sleep inside of like 10 minutes 30 minutes so you want to be an elf well i don't want i mean that's forgotten realms elf but Mm. actually i think tolkien elves also had a weird sleep thing i don't really know tolkien elves that well though so i can't really speak on that but not all elves chris not all elves trance well you could be a Warforged and be like kind of like your new car where, you know, you could just charge for a little bit, get it to like 60% and just keep going and then just run yourself down and be like, uh, I better go real quick for a couple hours and get back up to like 40. There you go. So how's that any different than now? Get some sleep. Stop working. I, we have a new project coming out. So I know you're 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 killing yourself on it. I'm glad that uh, I, I tr- contributed nothing. Um, hey, I did the maps. But yeah, no, it's real. After about three days of no sleep, it's fun. The shit you see out of the corner of your eyes, awesome. Let me tell you, it freaks oh, you the fuck out. I could make those all into D&D monsters. I should do that for no, Dumpstat. It is. Science? It's not. Creativity? It's not good. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Spelljammers. But before we get there, Chris, we're going to talk about the latest news for D&D. And really the only major news to talk about within the last month is this little minor thing called 1D&D. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of it, Chris. All I have now. Oh, well, that's good. So 1D&D is the playtest rules for the upcoming Dungeons & Dragons. Except it's still... Well, it's not 5th edition. It's just Dungeons and Dragons. And 5th edition has never been 5th edition. It's always been Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. So 1D&D is Dungeons and Dragons, except you can play with the 5th edition rule set or the new 5th edition rule set. And the new 5th edition rule set is backwards compatible with the old 5th edition rule set. But at that point, is it really a different system? I'm so glad I'm totally confused now. <laughs> Thanks. I, I My brain hurts. You're welcome. So, so it's essentially what? Pathfinder 3, but stripped of all the rules? <laughs> uh, it's basically like if you had Tulsha's Cauldron of Everything and you uh, gave it a bunch of illegal substances and it got strung out and then was like, I am the new captain of D&D and this is how we will play. Well, that's kind of what Tasha wanted to do anyways, given her, her lore, but eh, you know, whatever. All right, talk about it. Let me Let me hear what your wonderful opinions are. Uh, I don't really have much opinions about it so far. I mean, for those who don't know, and we'll link to the playtest and then show notes. One uh, D and D, the first playtest just shows off a couple of different race builds, a couple of different background templates, as well as some new rules for like grappling and what the slowed condition does. And yes, slowed is finally a condition again, finally. <laughs> Uh, I will link to a little bit of homebrew I did where I expanded the conditions in 5e, and guess what? Slowed was one of those conditions. Yes, it was. That was I liked that article, so definitely link it. It's actually, I haven't read Slowed, but I'm sure it's better than what they've put out. Uh, it's slightly different than what the slow spell is. I don't remember off the top of my head. I can barely remember Yesterday. conditions from 5e. <laughs> I keep thinking I should like tattoo all the conditions on my arm just to like make it easy to like reference, but then, you know, then I'd have to get them removed for the new edition and put on new ones for the new, you know. Yeah, laser removal 
hurts. Let yeah. me just tell you, okay? Maybe I'll just use sticky notes like a normal person. Yeah, well, you know, you can go half-ass if you want, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, it's... The rules are fine. It's basically just Tasha's cauldron of everything when it comes to the mm-hmm. new rules. There's nothing, like, mind-blowing. Uh, they're still keeping the term bonus action, which uh, infuriates me because it's not technically a bonus action. It is a minor action if we're using a 4E parlance or a swift action if you're using 3E yeah, terminology. Swift, swift action is definitely the terminology that you go back to. Yeah, bonus action sounds like it's a regular action. You just get a bonus one for some reason. I'm special. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a good term at all. Uh, uh, not a good term in the least, but uh, I mean, we're stuck with it. I mean, the rest of it, I feel like the biggest thing for me, well, there's two big things for me that I've noticed. Uh, one, they are putting feet levels on there. So when you get a background, you get a level one feet, mm-hmm. which could be toughness. It could be um, the rehashed lucky feet, which I really didn't feel like we needed a buff to the lucky feet. Yeah, no but shit. <laughs> whatever. Again, no one ever talks to me or asks my opinion, which they shouldn't. I'm a nobody. I'm just here writing a blog. It's not like I have say over the Watsy. Watsy, if you want to put me over everything, I'm happy to do it. I'm sure you would be. I'm probably cheaper than, you know, Jeremy Crawford or Mike Merles. Mike Merles, definitely. I can't, <laughs> can't even imagine how much that guy's making. Uh, well, you know, I mean, hey, we are on target to go well over uh, a million visitors this year that's kind of a big deal yeah hey you know what that that is true watsy if you want access to our million plus visitors <laughs> uh but the other interesting thing is that attack rolls when you make an unarmed strike so you know you just punch someone in the mouth mm-hmm. for for talking about you saying that you're a silver coin adventurer when in your heart you know you're a platinum coin adventurer <laughs> You can either deal damage to them, grapple them, uh, or use it to shove. So knock them prone or shove them back Ooh. five feet. So it's it's kind of... It's it, MMA? I mean, yes, it's, it's MMA. But also, like, the other thing is now, like, grapple checks were, you know, in 5e, were an athletics check contested by the targets, yep. a- athletics or acrobatics. Now it's creature's armor, which means wizards have a better time escaping grapple because now you can just cast a shield spell because you go off of your unarmed strike to hit. What? So when you make an unarmed strike, you obviously roll against the AC and you choose either to make to deal damage, to grab them, or knock them prone or shove them back five feet. Now that it's no longer a still skill check, but rather an attack roll, uh, the your target is you know. No, I, like, I get the concept, but. Punching plate mail is going to hurt. I don't want to do damage. I'm going to shove. I mean, there's some basic... I, I get it. It's a fantasy game. But in anything, you're going to... If you punch metal, it hurts. I'm going to... You, you shove them. It shouldn't be an option. It, I like it being a tack roll. I do. Um, but... I feel like it's almost like harkens back to third edition with Touch AC. Yeah. When, like, yeah. the wizards who got nothing to their base attack bonus... Uh, they they made up a new armor class where it's just your touch EC, which is ten plus your dexterity modifier, mm-hmm. so that they could hit with their magical spells, um, because they had a horrible to yeah. hit bonus. Yeah, no shit. I I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. The the part that it's, yeah, I mean, okay. it's definitely weird. But now it's so much easier to counter if you're a spellcaster, because again, you just cast shield, or you have shield of faith on you, or you know such and such and such and such mage armor and whatnot. Yeah. 
Um, whereas before, like, you either needed a good strength or dexterity score to avoid being grappled. And now it's like, oh, no, you don't need that. You can just keep focusing on AC, which is what you were doing anyways, because your AC is pretty awful. Well, and so you're just kind of being rewarded for focusing on only one thing. And I don't think you should be. If you're stupid enough to be playing a spellcaster and someone's up in front of you, you get to be grappled. You're an idiot. Stay in the back. Run away. No. I, I'm a big fan of that when you play a spellcaster, as our current campaign knows. Run um, as fast as you can. Then yes, they can't touch you. You shouldn't be up front. No, 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 no. There's a reason that spells have range, mm-hmm. big yeah. range. It but... does make me wonder if they'll be readjusting uh, how reach works and grapple stuff. Because there's like mm. large crabs that have like a reach of 10 feet, which means when they hit you with their claw, they can grapple you. And then all the players are like, well, I'm going to hit its arm. And it's like, well, technically that's not its space it occupies. But like yeah. it also doesn't make sense. You can't attack its claw and deal yeah, damage to that's it. That's so. an issue with targeting that they really don't want to get into. Yeah. You but, know, I bet I mean like bugbear characters. They got goofy long arms, <laughs> which <laughs> doesn't make sense. Well, it's got to be a bitch to find long sleeve shirts that long sleeve shirts that fit. I mean, think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. the chest is gonna fit, but you're gonna the, the the sleeves are gonna come up like almost to your elbows. That's gotta suck. Backgrounds now being the focus of bonus. Yeah, versus that's also race. where your ability score increases are coming from is right. your background, which is interesting. Um, I'm I'm not opposed to that at all, but. They're going to have to put a lot more effort into all these backgrounds. Uh, not really, because they're like, you uh, just make your own background. Here's a couple of templates. And that is... Uh, so they're gonna, are they just going to get rid of... I mean, there's a lot of backgrounds now. So yeah, are they just going to randomly go through and be like, yeah, look at this one, a plus one, and a plus one. Eh, this one gets a plus two. I mean, it, they, maybe, or I they'll just they have make the ones that are in the player's handbook and then just be like, and you can make your own. Uh, and winky face... And then uh, they quickly say, talk to your DM before disappearing in a puff of smoke. I have an, <laughs> I have an issue with this. and I know, <laughs> What? No, yeah. not you, Chris. I, it, not you, the shut saint. Up. <laughs> shut up. Uh, and it's not, I know it's people are going to be like, oh, the old guy has a problem with the whole racial bonuses going away. Well, yeah, I do. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, don't worry. I have plenty to complain about in Spelljammer oh, about racial I stuff. Oh, I know. I got the preview. Uh, it, I I don't know. I think that one bonus should come from race and mm. one bonus could come from background. I, I, I think that's a great idea. Stripping the racial ability bonuses doesn't feel like... You're like running away from the problem, not really addressing it. Right. I mean... Because of the background of the drow, let's say, for example, being, drow, drow, yeah, yeah whatever, uh, dark elves, and the the connotations that it's always had in the past that they're trying to address now, it feels like an overreaction. They're like, oh, people get upset when we say that this race is automatically stupid. Orcs, they can't have a high intelligence, so we're not gonna. Okay, I get it. No, they're not necessarily stupid, but they're gonna have something as a basic race that's going to make them probably let's say stronger than someone like lizard folk who the hell would think that lizard folk would have a plus one in intelligence that seems weird i don't remember lizard folk there's somebody that had there's someone hobgoblin hobgoblin gets a plus yeah, one. yeah that's it because it's their military uh background and skills in that arena 
I mean, I'm all for hobgoblins having yeah, bonus so to am I. intelligence. I just feel like they're. I feel like they're stripping a historical piece of the game that actually has relevance and importance. I understand why they're shifting away from it, but to strip it 100% away seems like an overcorrection. The other and other, there were a bunch of other minor announcements. There were new, uh, you know, new releases that they put on the calendar to be scheduled. The other one that I thought was fascinating that I've uh, read a few articles about and watched a couple of videos about was D and D getting into the virtual tabletop business. Finally. I like it. Um, again, like I said, with D and D Beyond, which I also predicted. Um, hey, I only get few things right when yeah, we do our podcast. But this virtual tabletop is like Tailspire, where it's like a three. It is D Yes, they are they... Unreal Engine thing. So like, well, they're God, gonna... how much time are DMs now expected to spend making maps? Well, it depends on the back office. It depends how much you mm-hmm. can integrate things into it. Um, are they going to create their own, let's say, dungeon draft so that you can build maps and integrate into them as, a, as an outside product? I don't know. But I do. They, but buying a third party makes sense. They did the same thing with D and D Beyond, which was which was perfect business strategy. They're doing it with this, and they're not gonna go. They're not going and buying. Oh, let's get Roll Twenty. We are already licensed with them. Roll Twenty's garbage. I'm sorry, but we've used it. It's garbage. Going out and getting a new uh, next generation virtual tabletop that's all the rage is the smart thing to do. You don't have to pay a bunch of developers. Maybe you could pay some decent artists and put them on your staff instead of you know as contractors uh-huh. it's the next step for the game as everybody saw during covid okay i run three groups I know. and if i'm doing homebrew for for a group they're lucky if i spend five minutes trying to you know think of a map instead of just drawing it off the top of my head well, in the middle of the session i'm not spending hours and hours working on maps well i do and i love it you know that maps yeah. are my favorite thing now yeah but how many groups are you running how many maps are you having to make every week shut up uh <laughs> no i mean i know what they're gonna have to do when they release it is go backwards and provide all those maps no, they're not. for all the old adventures or you can buy them for the low low price of well yeah no 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 provide $20. all the maps by i mean like if you want all the maps for let's say mad mage yeah 20 dollars. it's gonna be like 59 dollars with so many freaking maps in well, there i i they, they'll probably do the same thing that they did with the uh the source books on dnd beyond which is uh, you can buy it separate for thirty bucks, mm-hmm. or if you get the source book and the digital maps, yeah, it'll only be fifty. Right. And Ooh, think yeah. of the savings. Well, business strategy, and I think it's uh-huh. genius. I yeah, do. I'm not against it. I'm just saying, like, this is a great way for even more money to get funneled towards them. Yeah, that's the whole point of running uh, a business. No, I understand that. It's just magic's. Magic is starting to go downhill. It's their number one money driver, pretty much, I think, for Hasbro in general now. So they need. It's not that I'm complaining that they're making money off the maps. What I'm complaining is they're going to be using a virtual tabletop system that encourages 3D maps, which will require even more work and load on the DM, who's already having to run the game and having to come up with everything else. And now you're expecting even more hours out of a DM when you're not even giving them the tools to run your game. Okay, look. Maybe if you let me DM, which I have asked, mm-hmm. and you weren't such a freaking control freak, you could be a player and then bitch a little less. I don't like being the player. <laughs> no, because you just want to have all the control. Well, no, because then someone else is running the game, and then I'm not constantly on, and then, you know, like, 
my mind starts to wander uh, and I start looking at other things and I get distracted really easily, Chris. Then we'll just make it all about you. How about that? Well, everything's already about me, Chris. Great. And we're moving on. <laughs> so, so yeah. any other news? Uh, not really. I mean, we still got the movie coming out in March, which will be exciting. Uh, there's a bunch of new product releases. Uh, Dragonlance was the big one. Dragonlance is in uh, December. Windscape. Well, I'm getting there. Sorry. So sorry. Dragonlance is the big thing mm-hmm. coming out December, which you can go on Watsi's website and pre-purchase this really expensive bundle. But you don't get the fancy cover; you get the regular cover. Right. Even though all the, all of like the advertising images show the fancy cover. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't know. I can't decide if I'm excited for Dragonlance or not. Are there going to be third-party books? I thought I'm. Re- I, didn't I read that they're writing another book? The original authors. Yeah, they just came out with the um with their first book in the series. Oh, really? I'm yeah, sorry, it came I out didn't... for Gen Con. They had a release party at Gen Con. Oh. I just played games with my son the entire time. I didn't actually go to anything this year. No. So Yeah, Margaret I mean, Weiss was there, I think, all four days signing books and stuff. I almost bought a copy, but then I was like, Oh, it's a physical book. I'd actually have to pick it up and read oh it. Oh my god. Just stop. <laughs> stop. It's so heavy and I had uh, to turn each individual page. I enjoy the feeling of the paper. <laughs> Me too. That's why I like to read books, but also like that's so time consuming. I have other things I have to do, Chris. <laughs> it's like build heavy. these fucking maps. Oh god. I will build your maps. I like doing that. No, then you'll know all the secret doors are. But <laughs> your other campaigns, just shut up. Oh. And so there's there's Dragonlance. Come March to tie in with the dra- uh, with the Dungeons and Dragons movie. There is a book I can't remember what it is. It's like something about thieves, um, but it's going to be like an anthology kind of focused more towards heist or thievery adventures. Okay, I don't want to go to the rabbit hole on this, but real quick, the name of the movie is Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. Yes, and that's the there's title no of the thieves books. in the party. If I'm looking, it's they have. There's a bard, a druid, a berserker. Oh yeah, like a. Hey Chris, that's really way for you to be a class person. It's to just... support the classes. You can be a thief and still be a bard. Well, yeah. It's so they all multi-classed as thieves. Um, and then I don't know what uh, I can't think of her name right now. Oh, it might be Fast and Furious. She could be. She could be a thief, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, so like the books, like Volta Thieves, are. On, I'm not doing research, Chris. Yeah, no, uh, I haven't obviously done that. Two other books I can't remember because they mean nothing to me, uh, and I'll be excited <laughs> when we get closer there. And then at the end of the year, at the end of the five E product cycle. Uh, small tier there uh planescape <laughs> we're finally getting a uh, like a planescape manual of the planes book uh if it's anything like spell jammers i will be utterly disappointed well make sure to put the link in... <laughs> spoiler for our upcoming yeah, review yeah <laughs> thank god they only have to wait a year make sure you put a link in the bottom yeah. of all of the uh... there will be links to all this in the show notes planescape i'm really excited for but i mean we got a lot to talk about with Spelljammers, yeah. and I'm trying not to let this become a two-hour talking session between the two of us. Then you should shut up. So let's okay. move on to Spelljammer. Spelljammer, adventures in space. Is that the most excited you're going to sound for this? Yeah, that's pretty the much. Whole podcast? I mean, the artwork is fucking incredible everywhere. Like they, the artists did a phenomenal job. Um, you mean except for where they just basically recycled old art uh, i don't really know that much recycling the well like the gif on the oh, in the monster I mean, portion whatever yeah there was some recycling but no overall i, I mean it's still good art for mordecai and zone not to tell you 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't help but notice that the cottage on a Kindori on like page two of Astral Adventurer's Guide looks like a Darth Vader helmet on top of the whale. Okay. Oh yeah, I know. I remember that. Yeah, that's a little weird. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we'll actually get back to talking about the product. Uh, so Spelljammer Adventures in Space, for those who don't know, is a three-book box set. Don't get excited. It's t- it's actually just one book that they split into three books for no reason. You mean a three-pamphlet yeah. with hardcover? Yeah, it's a three-pamphlet hardcover box set. <laughs> and you get a DM screen, which has about twice... Uh, Actually, it has the same amount of Spelljammer information as the literal Spelljammer information book does. It's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. The a lot. artwork on it is very nice. It shows the picture of a dead god floating through the astral uh, sea. There's some Spelljammers. There's some weird little uh, astral dragon nonsense. Is it to distract the players as you kill them slowly? Yeah, pretty much. Excellent. So, I mean, I like the GM screen. I might just use that for our Pathfinder 2E game just because it's fancy. Oh, great. Anyways. Yeah. So there's three books. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are each 64 pages, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. That's not a book. <laughs> well, when you combine all three together, it's a single book that's what? like half the size of the player's handbook. They're calling each one a book. Anyways. Uh, there's Astral Adventurer's Guide, which is all the information you need for spell jamming, uh, minus all of the helpful information that would help you run a spell jamming campaign. Um, It also has player options. Very, very few player options. The second book is Light of Xarxis? I don't know. I'll be honest. I didn't read that one. I did not read the adventure closely. I kind of read through, flipped around, um, and just had a general idea what the adventure was about. So I did not do a deep reading. Our focus is more on spell jammer itself and not the adventure. Well, I, I didn't want to read the adventure to ruin in case I played it. That's my excuse. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, or I was just too lazy. And then the, in my opinion, star of the show is Booze Astral Menagerie. Um, I agree with you 100% on that. Which has uh, all of your monsters. And a giant hamster. Really pissed off hamster in the miniature giant space hamster. Oh, that's awesome. uh, Which has, I forget how many monsters this was. It was one. I can't uh, count that high. Yeah. I mean, it's 64 pages, so it's probably about 40 monsters. Yeah, but the picture on, I mean, we got the the nice books. Yes, we got the fancy copy. (laughs) The the hamster on the front of booze is angry. I mean, he is angry angry he's gonna bite the shit out of you with that's because you just book teeth. stole his food yeah exactly <laughs> um so we're, we're, we're gonna begin like all great adventures with the adventurer's guide the astral adventurer's guide yep uh the first sentence lets you know that the astral plane is the plane of stars which is new for me i guess i can't remember any other edition that that called the astral plane the plane of stars it's been known as like the Silver Sea, the uh, the Astral Sea, mm-hmm. um, the Silvery Void. I've always Never called the it the Astral stars. Sea. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess it makes sense because right now, uh, for those who don't know, the Astral Plane is a transitive plane. It is a plane where you transition from one plane to another. Mm-hmm. It is when you teleport. Technically, you are briefly in the Astral Plane before arriving at your destination. Or when you plane shift from the material plane to the outer planes, you briefly go through the astral sea and then appear on the other plane that you're trying to reach. So why don't you explain then what it what 
how about this? Let's start with there. You have a planet, you have wild well, space, and then you have astral astral yes. sea. What is what is what are those three? So the there's different cosmologies, mm-hmm. and Five E is introducing a whole new cosmology for the astral plane. Marvel's multiverse, great. So originally, the astral sea, astral plane, was all by itself, and then wild space, which is what you sail around in a spelljammer, was its own thing, and the material plane was this massive plane where all of the planets were there. There was space as we know it, um, kind of the space that we have, and then all of uh, like the I'm not sure universe or like a solar system was inside of a massive crystal sphere in between the crystal spheres, the different worlds. There was the phlogiston, which was uh, these rivers of proto matter that connected all the worlds together. They weren't always direct. Sometimes you had to go from one crystal sphere to the next crystal sphere to the next one to kind of like zigzag your way to the one you wanted to go to. What edition is this from? This is from second edition where spell jammers, originally came out from i obviously didn't read that close enough (laughs) so continue uh and the astral plane was by itself it didn't touch anything to do with the phlogiston or the uh the crystal spheres or anything like that it just stayed as a transitive plane to be fair to the astral plane not a lot of reason to go to it in that edition um except for some fun some fun chicanery and tomfoolery now the interesting thing about that which i understand why they didn't carry over to this was when you left the crystal sphere clerics lost access to their gods and so they couldn't cast or they couldn't renew their spell slots while they're out in the phlogiston and while you're out in the phlogiston it could be months that you're out there traveling to the next crystal sphere um tui had a really odd idea about travel where it's like most of this game is uh Find, uh, getting a large enough caravan to carry enough rations to get you to the next place because it's going to be like 3D 12 years before you get there. Uh, the ethereal plane's really bad for that where it's like yeah, you're probably going to spend 99D 99 months uh, traveling or like walking in the ethereal plane. It's like, why? That's a lot of random chart, yeah, random encounter rules. It was. I assume most people ignored that because yeah. <laughs> that's not the fun part of no. D and D. All right, so fast so, forward to the yeah, fifth edition. So, so well, so third edition kind of kept that, though they didn't really touch on Spelljammer, so we don't have anything to go there. Four E uh, got rid of Wild Space, sort of. Uh, they, they they didn't really touch on Wild Space, so who knows? What they did do is put all the Spelljammers into the astral plane, and then you sailed around the astral plane. There were the gods' domains that you would visit instead of like planets or asteroids or things of that nature. And, like, Githyanki had, like, their Spelljammer uh, ships and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so you would, like, sail around the Astral Sea, and that was it. 5e kind of combines all of that. So there is our planet, or, you know, like, the planet. Mm -hmm. We can say, like, the Forgotten Realms planet, Toral. And then once you go out from that planet, you then enter that planet's uh, wild space system or solar system where you have all of its different moons. You have, like, that central sun. Yep. And when you leave that area, you then enter what is known as... Um, I thought that the was the ast- Astral Sea. Yeah, so that, you enter the Astral Sea. So every single uh, like wild space system or solar system is the wild space. It is, you know, the void. It is what we consider space to be, where there is no air or anything like that. And you're traveling hundreds of millions of miles in between each planet. So 
the you have your planet, yep. you have your wild galaxy, space. yeah, which is and then wild you have space. Your, you, then you have the universe. Uh, well, there aren't so like, like well, no, no, so galaxies in our universe. Correct. So you don't really have galaxies or universes. It's more like you have your solar system, and then once you leave. You You're, then enter the astral sea. You head over to another solar system, right? And I mean, uh, that's just the comparison that seems yeah. the most logical to me. Yeah. I know it's not so, exact, so like, but yeah. So I, I guess like galaxies would be the astral sea. Perfect. Okay. Um, and so you're, you're kind of sailing around here, there. Um, it's, so it's, it's kind of melding all of the cosmologies mm. of the previous editions, which I, I appreciate. I understand, uh, why they're doing that. It makes some sense to me. There are some other things I have issues with, like now on the astral plane, when you leave it, you don't automatically age all of the missing time that you spent there. It's Star Trek warp fields. So don't, don't question it. Yeah. I mean, actually the astral plane, uh, there's a huge yeah. convoluted time thing. Different editions disagree about how time passes on the astral plane. So we won't talk about that. Okay. But I think that's a good place to start because that tells you that's the three pieces of the puzzle that you really need to know if you're going to play Spelljammer. Yeah. And that that's, that's the main information here. Um, so now that we have a general idea as to what astral plane wild, and the wild spaces yeah, we'll have to get because when we get into wild space versus astral sea there's some topics that obviously need to be talked yeah. about but with air bubbles and weird shit so yeah we can cut back to character options if you yes like. yes so we'll go ahead and start at the beginning of the book chapter one after they go over like terminology and what actually is an astral plane versus wild space mm -hmm. uh for character options we're looking at two backgrounds six races two spells and three magic items don't buy this book if you're only looking for character options. Yeah, no shit. Uh, it is amazing to me. They only have two spells and three magic items for spell jammers. When, like, the two e-books, like, you could just copy and paste wholesale from there and yep. just have books of stuff. Yeah. And it's not like they have to ask anyone for the rights. They own DSR. <laughs> I know. The, uh, it, it's... It's a shame, but, it, it you know, it's giving them an opportunity to maybe do it later. But But, you know... Watsy's not about doing all the crazy supplements that they used to do. Uh, so, I don't know. I mean, hey, yeah. it's up to the DM to make them. And before we actually begin <laughs> in character options, because we said flip uh, over to character options, the pages are really thick in this oh, book. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> the pages are a bit too thick, because every time I grab them to turn the page, I'm like, oh, nope, I got like five pages. Let me put them back. Uh, no, it's because like these pages are like twice as thick as like their normal pages to like boost up the book a little bit to make it a little bit thicker just stop just just talk about character options all right just complain there because <laughs> then people would really realize how small but these I books remember are. about three books ago you were like oh god the, what, spend some more money on like you know build making these books better the, the bindings are horrible blah, blah. maybe they did maybe they did and or they just tried to make the books look a little thicker than they actually they, are. you know well whatever so uh the two backgrounds are <clears throat> astral drifter mm -hmm. and wild spacer yep so you've either come into contact with a divine being or you just wander wild space Meh. yeah it's neither of the backgrounds are really exciting to me um though they are doing the new style where you get a minor feat for your uh your background feature so like divine or astral drifter you get magic the magic initiate feet initiate sorry and you have to pick cleric because you came across a god which uh based off of the list they gave was forgotten realms 
um, I think Norse Greyhawk and uh, maybe one. No, I think it was just Forgotten Realms Greyhawk and Norse. So yeah, we won't get into Greyhawk. And... It's never gonna happen, Chris. Give I up. know. Uh, the other one's Wild Spacer, where you get the tough feet. Woo! How exciting! I like the tough feet. I do. It's so boring. Yeah, but it's good when lower levels. God, so boring. Anyways. Uh, and uh, you had a close encounter with a random spooky spell jammer monster, like a beholder or a yogi or a mind flare or a dragon. Yeah, bad and guy. Then, or a vampire. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Certain creatures are bad guys. They're always uh-huh. going to be bad guys. Uh, and so after you pick one of those two backgrounds, or you pick a background from another book, you get to create your character with... Uh, the new way of doing races, where it's you pick your own Just ability score increases, you pick your own languages, creature type. Pick everything stuff. yourself. Yay. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, ask your DM, basically. Boo. Uh, so the options for the character races are Astral, Elf, Auto, Gnome. Stupid. <laughs> GIF. Excellent. Hadazi. Really stupid. Plasmoid. Uh, Odo from Deep Space Sun. Thriking. Crane. Uh, Grasshoppers. Okay. Wait, you really thought Astral Elf was good? We'll be going with the Astral Elf. Yeah, better than better than some of the other ones. I mean, I'm sick of this. It's just a freaking elf. There's so many elves. A really, really old elf. Uh-huh. It's it's just an elf. And also, they went lazy with it, where all they did was give it a, fr- uh, an, uh, a free Misty Step, basically, uh, equal to your proficiency bonus every day. Look, Why are all these elves getting teleportation magic? I don't know. but comp- You got the Eldrin if you really want that. We don't have to give it to every friggin' elf. But compared to the other options, it's probably my the second best. So I don't know. It's just lazy mechanical writing right yeah. now. It's just like, ah, people like to teleport for free. We'll give it to them. Yeah, but... Which, if every single player has teleportation options and like that just removes obstacles that a gm can put in your way it's like there's a 30 foot cavern in front of you or like chasm and then they're like i misty step i starlight step it's like i'm sorry i meant 50 foot chasm <laughs> like it's just i don't know i'm getting tired of so many teleportation nonsense just because it trivializes so much yeah i do like the art uh for the astro elf especially the one uh, if you look with, I think if you look at booze, it's the, there's, I forget what the title is, but obviously the hunter with the bow. Um, I think that's sweet. Okay. Yeah. With like the weird helmet. Yeah. I like oh. that. Very outer spacey, but very, you mm. know, still elf. So. Oh, that, I mean, it's an elf. It's whatever. It doesn't interest me at all. Well, elves were a huge. It's just human, but yeah. pointy ears. But they were the dominant race in the original Spelljammer. Elves wore the wore the badasses. They had the biggest armies. They had the flying citadels. Are they? Oh yeah. I don't remember. They that. were the ones that basically kicked uh, every evil uh, race's ass that went through. They were the Probably. keepers of everything. They were the federation. I could have done without them. Yeah, okay. Oh, wait, wait. So they're the, are they like the stormtroopers? No, they're not the Empire. <laughs> Jesus, get your space stuff right. TV shows and movies. Um, so, I don't know. I can I can skip that because they're done. Uh, what is the autonome, Chris? You're not a... You're a robot. A robot? Yeah, you're not... You're Number one, you're a robot. Number two, worst start art I've ever seen in my fucking life. I, really? I want to be one of these things? No, I don't. It, you're just not fun, Chris. Uh, I don't know. I don't... The Warforge was great as a construct. Uh, this... I don't like it. I would never play one. Anyways, that's personal opinion. The next one is the best race ever. Oh, I have issues with the GIF. 
So the auto gnome is created by gnomes. You're basically just a gnome clockwork bitch. creature. Yeah. Um, you are considered a construct, which is interesting. But then they, you know, because like at first you're like, oh, but what about cure wounds or those things that don't affect constructs? And it's like, oh, no, actually, you can be healed by them because, of course, we want to make it too challenging to play a construct. Chris doesn't like fun. No, I don't, apparently. Let's move on to the gif. Okay. GIF. What's your problem with my gif here? Come on. Okay. So, the GIF, since Spelljammers, when they were first introduced, were all about firearms and, like, their culture was all about firearms and explosives and things of that nature. And then there's been this big thing in 5e to remove culture from, uh, from like, a race's abilities that you get. And so they showed off the GIF in, like, a UA, and people were like, how come the GIF doesn't have yeah. firearms? They always have firearms. So their solution to the... Well, it's not a cultural thing. Yeah, okay. This but is, we have this to include firearms. Yeah, they have a divine connection to firearms uh, because apparently there's a gift pantheon, even though there was never a gift pantheon before. And in fact, they never even worshipped a god. <laughs> but now they have a divine connection to guns, which is... <laughs> Uh, sorry, I wrote it down. Which is ridiculous. So, I will get a mystical connection. is avoiding adding in cultural abilities to races, but they just made it worse by claiming Gith have a special connection to firearms thanks to Gith gods. The Gith don't have gods and don't even worship canonically. This is just lazy chicanery. Now it's just predetermination, which is what they were trying to avoid by adding in typically to all alignments, even fiends and celestials. Jesus, that's a good line. I'm glad you wrote it down. Yeah, well. So. They they were like, okay, everyone wants gifts to have firearms. Oh, we can't say it's a cultural thing. Instead, we'll just be like, yeah, no, you're just magically into firearms. It's holy. Okay, so I get that. So here's the thing. Yeah, I would agree with you. I When I first heard the U.S., I was like, are you freaking kidding me? There's no firearms. That is just dumb. I understand the cultural implications in the real world about talking with guns in our society in the united states it's yeah you just let's not go there but why not just make it gunpowder or things that go boom because that would require them to write a whole new set of mechanics for bombs because they half-ass it in the dungeons masters well my opinion is this is a campaign settings guide Ergo, you're going to have culture involved because it's a campaign mm-hmm. setting. Yeah. It's okay to give them cultural things and then have a sidebar saying, hey, this is the culture within the setting. If you're putting this somewhere else, choose something else to put there. Yeah, no, it's that's culture is a four letter word right now, which is a shame because culture is how people define themselves yeah. a lot of times i mean just say in the culture of spell jammers gif really like guns it doesn't have to if be guns you're gonna put or like firearms or black powder things that or, go boom yeah things that go boom if you're putting this in your own world think about how gif might work in that area or in mm-hmm. your world and then adjust things as needed just put like a helpful sidebar yeah. that's all you gotta do you mean give the dm more work um I mean, I mean, it is more work, but also it's like this is staying true to the a actual campaign settings guide. There's right. going to be cultural things there because you are giving a pre-written setting with its own culture to a DM. Mm-hmm. And this is what they're signing up for is learning more about the culture of these creatures in this setting. Yeah, Not all elves work the same way. Not all gnomes are going to be the same in each world. Mm-hmm. And so if you just tell people, hey, this is a cultural thing. 
you'll have to adjust it for your world or think if or think do you want to adjust it for your world right well that goes back to the whole argument of how far the pendulum swung right now on that well let's not get into that i wouldn't have i i like i still love the gif Mm -hmm. if they had wanted to take firearms out because that i from a few things i read that was another big issue guns they were like we don't want to talk about guns guns are a bad thing right now agree on that with a lot of levels then just give them what they used to have which was kegs filled with with yeah. gunpowder that they hurled at people that was a great top awesome. yes i mean give them the, what do they carry around oh they don't have a gun on their pocket but they have just mini kegs they have they have grenades that's fine okay uh, i'm good with that or just don't even i don't know i just i you like, could just like really if you just want to avoid it entirely just don't talk about anything, but like in all the artwork, you can show them with firearms. Yeah, I, I like it. And plus, now that firearms are a part of the game, just give them proficiency in them. Like, hint, hint. Yeah. That's what you want to go with. Anyways, I still uh, like them. Yeah, I mean, they're fine. Their special ability where they get their proficiency bonus on one attack's damage a number of times you go to their proficiency bonus mm-hmm. per day is boring well i'm glad they have a swim speed which i think is great but yeah they, i mean that is fun but yeah you know, i don't know they the should give them a, kind of boring they should give them a bite attack did you know hippos have the the crushing power of their jaw is the strongest of all animals there are more fatalities by hippos than sharks yeah every they, year, their so. their jaws are the strongest it's probably all gifts shooting them probably <laughs> all right how does he uh how does he are cool no uh no no the they're issue really not. though is they have an infinite move glitch uh because they can glide for free uh let me go ahead and read this to you if you are not incapacitated or wearing heavy armor you can extend your skin membranes and glide when you do so you can perform the following aerial maneuvers you can move up to five feet horizontally for every one foot you descend in the air at no movement cost when you would take damage from a fall you can use your reaction to reduce the fall's damage to zero the issue is that uh, you can dimension door 500 feet up and then glide forward 2500 feet in a single turn uh, so they can, you can roughly go half a mile in six seconds, or in other words, 284 miles per hour, or 457 kilometers per hour. Holy shit! Did you read this somewhere? Or did you figure this out on your own? Uh, both. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's oh, I, okay. Uh, again, your brain works differently. So, so awesome. You can kind of be like, well, they can only. Because you have to fall one feet for every for every five feet forward right. that you want to glide forward. Xanathar states the first uh, the first round you drop five hundred feet. Mm-hmm. Every round after that, it's a thousand feet per round. So that basically translates Holy to twenty five hundred yeah. <laughs> feet your first round, and then five thousand feet every round after that. So like you dimension door up for that first round, you shoot forward incredibly fast. You dimension door up again, and now you just keep flying, just shooting forward. Uh, and you're, I don't know how fast you have to go to break the sound barrier. But. I'm so glad you do the math for us. <laughs> uh, I just think they're ugly. Anyways. Uh, how fast to break the sound barrier? Oh, 775, 770 miles. They're, they're too slow. Okay, let's, let's, okay, so they're broken. Yeah, yeah, well, literally unplayable. They're too slow. You can't break the sound barrier with them. They, I feel like since they're going that fast, like parts of them should like start like flying off. I don't. I guess at what speed do you have to go before like the human body breaks down from like the intense speed? I I don't know. Be DMs get to choose. I don't know. They it's the art depicts them 
as nothing like I thought they would, and it just kind of ruins it for me on top of that. So I don't know. I don't like them. Not my favorite. Plasmoid. Great. Another uh, another changeling character. Uh, oh, yes, yes. I guess we can talk about plasmoids now. Uh, yeah, I don't I'm have anything broken this. about the plasmoids. Uh, they're boring to me. It's just a changeling. Yeah, well, it, well it's, you An can't change your, your, your looks. You're still a plasmoid. It's a, yeah. You're, you're just an you're ooze boy. You can grow arms and legs and a human head, and then you can wear armor. Um, or you can be a blob. And it feels, blob. feels like a reaction quote slash steal from it's play from Pathfinder. I mean, it's better than just more elves or just like color change palettes for humans. Like at least it's a different thing than just I'm a human but green. Well, I'm a human, but I have pointy ears. Once we get into, I'm a human but short and drink a lot. Yeah. Once we get into uh, booze, I'll pick out a couple of the creatures in there that I thought would have made better races than some of the ones they had here. Anyways, okay. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Not uh, a fan. There's the Thrycreen, which uh, originally were in Dead Sons. I don't know their relationship to Spelljammer. I they were. They were a creature that original creature that did have some spell gems specific to them but nothing great i mean how much yeah, can I you expect like they were to just do kind of like a side kind of like they were just there they were thrown fine. into i think they weren't one of the core creatures they were like they appeared in one of the adventures and there okay. weren't that many they, they're giant grasshoppers uh so that's the end of those character options which now brings us to chapter two astral adventuring which will include the uh the two spells and the three magic items Okay, first off, I just got to say, when you go into the, the picture uh, of the fight with the beholders and the ship ramming... Oh, it's the, exciting. That's actually awesome. I yeah. love that piece I of I mean, art. the artwork is amazing yeah, throughout is. these books. Um, and, and that's just, like, my inner, like, Spelljammer. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, but, uh, yeah. And then I read the book, and then it goes, oh, Spelljammer. All right, I'm going to right, start... <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, we'll go ahead and start. I'll skip my first note about how you no longer age on uh, the astral. Um, so, this has the basic information and emphasis on basic information about how spell jamming works. It is, in my opinion, incredibly bare bones. They didn't even, like, copy and paste vehicle combat from, like, Descent to Avernus and Ghost of Saltmarsh into this book. Or which you kind that. of need. Um, you you kind of need that information because you don't even like, what's well, a damage threshold? Oh, it doesn't tell you. So now you need to buy Ghost of Saltmarsh or Descent into Avernus to use the ship combat rules from those books. Do you mean it doesn't explain what? Yeah, like okay. it doesn't explain anything about like ships or how, they're, how they work. Mm -hmm. Instead, it's just general overview. So we have speed, which is you move at 100 million miles uh in 24 hours so <laughs> no more uh nine, 90 d 10s months in the astral sea i mean uh, you're trying well, i mean it's big but even in second edition you still traveled 100 million miles per per day mm -hmm. it's just it uh because crystal spheres moved around from each other like you never knew how how many days it was going to take the issue is when you enter an object's air envelope, you immediately slow down to your fly speed. Spell jam, the, the helm the, does it automatically. Yeah, it automatically does it for you. Whenever you get close within like a one ton object or an object with its own gravity field and air envelope. Mm -hmm. 
that's more than one ton. And so, you know, like you'll slow down for asteroids or for another spell jammer or for a moon or a planet or the sun. So you don't just like collide through it. Uh, the physics on that have to be weird because. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's magic. Whatever. Yeah. We'll hand wave it. The issue is, though, the way an air envelopes work is that they are whatever the longest plane on an object is. Mm-hmm. They are that much longer so if you're looking at a ball that's like two feet across the air air envelope will be two feet across uh or like extends out from the ball two feet in every direction so that largely makes the ball uh six feet wide with its air envelope on all sides math okay good yeah so it's six feet across for like a ball like that and so then you extend that to like a planet earth is eight thousand mile diameter which means it has an air envelope of eight thousand miles around it. Yeah, it's a it's a colder atmosphere. Yeah, so it so it makes twenty four thousand miles from end to end to get from one side to the other at like the thickest portion of the air envelope. Okay. A spelljammer might be one hundred and eighty feet, and so you know uh, long, but only like maybe fifty feet tall. So it will take that one hundred and eighty feet and stretch it. So it will become, was that, uh, 180 times 3, which is 360, uh, 5, 540 feet wide. What? I, you just, I just woke up. I, you, it's yeah, whatever. Okay. So that's your air envelope. It creates this kind of like oblong or spherical shape around you. Mm-hmm. The issue is when you drop out of 100 billion miles per day travel, <laughs> you're then stuck with a, uh, a really slow fly speed when you're talking about thousands of miles Mm -hmm. because you cannot do the hundred million miles through the air envelope of another object. So if you're trying to reach, I don't know, say the planet earth, you have to fly through its air envelope at its normal speed. Uh, The normal speed for a spell jammer ranges from 30 feet per round Mm -hmm. to 70 70. feet per round. So that's three and a half miles per hour or eight miles per hour. And you have to fly through 8,000 miles of an air envelope to reach Earth, which I've done the math. Uh, Uh, So leaving the atmosphere of Earth, 8,000 mile diameter, you have to go through 8,000 miles of air envelope so you can get to 100 million mile per hour or per day speeds. It would take you 95 days on the slowest ship at 3.5 miles per hour. On the fastest ship, it would take you 41 days at 8 miles per hour to leave the air envelope. I So what you're saying is impulse speed is too slow. You can't use warp speed to go through uh, that because it's too fast, but you, you just need to increase the impulse speed. You, you won't have any idea what rest the is. individual ship's fly speed. I don't know if they actually plan for you to spend over a month trying to leave the air envelope. But again, you're traveling at like... 35 feet they per didn't round. plan anyone so doing the math slowly <laughs> watching a ship rise up into the air and sure it looks fast but also at the same time it's like wow you're going real slow you're never going to escape the air envelope all right and like a week later you'll be like yep still trying to fly away from us uh, say what they they like i said they really didn't want people to do math i don't but like the dm is told to determine how long it's going to take for you to leave the air envelope and if you go by the numbers they provide, never. That's when you're leaving the air envelope. You're never leaving. Or maybe that's why these worlds are never contacted. And so, like, you only go to, like, asteroid, oh, at, like, floating asteroids or, like, 
tiny little rocks because it's like well otherwise we have to spend like two months trying to escape the planet's air envelope keep going gotcha you don't like that so previous spell jammers it was hundreds of feet that you moved so we need much better so just take a zero add it to the each to the end of each ship's speed and you're good with it maybe that'd still take a long time Uh, two zeros (laughs) but yeah so you know that's math i don't know if that's their intention i don't do math so i don't think it is no but i don't know keep going fine speeds blow (laughs) get information more information about gravity planes air envelopes and then we get information about how the astral plane works in this edition, which is fine. It's how we said before, where you have your planets, mm-hmm. you have the wild space system that mm-hmm. surrounds the solar system, basically, and then it extends into the astral sea where there can be like the bodies of dead gods or the astral domains of uh, dominions of gods and things of that nature out in the astral, which is taking 4E cosmology. But then you're like, but I thought the gods existed on the outer planes, which is outside the astral plane. And it's like, well, they do, but they also live on the astral plane. Which is, well, they're dead on the astral plane. Um, No, no, no. There's dead gods there, but you can have astral dominions where the gods reside. But the souls of dead people, petitioners canonically i don't i guess it changes for this can't go to the astral sea there's dead bodies i mean actually i they they technically can be they're they're the souls of dead bodies i actually i can't remember if they can leave the outer planes or not anyways if they do leave their plane they're destroyed forever how about just be happy that they actually mentioned the dead gods you know that's fair i do like dead gods right and astral dominions and it's actually it's actually a shout out to the older editions that no, had that's, been done before. Oh, the Dead Gods, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, that's on the cover of the Dead Gods adventure book, which I'll mm-hmm. I, I, I can link again um, there. So yeah, you have all that fun information. Um, and if you were wondering to yourself, man, I can't wait to make a wild space system of my homebrew world. I bet they have a lot of information on how I can do that. Oh, they have three sentences that tell me to look at what they've already done. Okay. So it's not like I need to be told to look at what they've already done before. It's hard enough to create like just a single world, let alone, oh, I'm going to make a whole galaxy now. That just, just, yeah. At that point, just forget Uh, it and go play (laughs) Blades in the Dark. Here's what I, so I I actually made some homebrew about how to create a wild space system because this was so depressing to me. But really, the creating a wild space system is even worse than useless in my opinion it is actively condescending assuming that the reader wouldn't automatically look at what watsi's already created to make their wild space system yeah but they don't care they want you to use the existing the existing ones they have i mean they have forgotten realms which is one no they don't because the existing systems are exarsis space and doom space which have half a page to a page of information in the adventure book. They don't tell you what the realm space looks like. They don't tell you what Greyhawk space looks like. It is... Oh, I just assumed that was... No. They just said <laughs> no, that somewhere. It's, it's, the, it's what little, tiny little bit of information you get from the adventures, which I read through, which took me like half a minute to do because huh. they only gave you information in regards to the adventure and they don't tell you anything else because it doesn't have an impact on the adventure. So it's just them being assholes saying like, look what we've already done. It's like, of course, we're going to look at what you've already done. You don't have to waste three sentences to tell us that. 
and okay. give us nothing else to help. Inc- I could complain for hours about this. Keep going. So um, the other thing is you get two new spells, air bubbles, so you can breathe outside in wild space where there is no air for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And then creating your own spell jamming helm, <laughs> which is 5,000 gold to do in case you're wondering how expensive it was to get a ship. Going back to your math real quick. Yeah. So you if you can't ever leave wild space given the speed you're going, you're just dead because your air bubble is going to run well, out no, of Well, no, your air. ship has an air bubble. Yeah, but it has a, a Which will last for about 120 days. <laughs> and you share the you... planet's air envelope okay, while you're within you their air otherwise, envelope. Otherwise, you were screwed. Yeah, so once you finally, you know, after two months of flying, you finally <laughs> leave the air bubble. You now have your own air bubble and you have 120 days to reach another planet. Great. Like and since you're moving at 100 million miles per day, you know, you can probably reach another planet by the time your air goes shitty. Yeah. And then you have another 120 days of just being slightly poisoned with foul air before your air gets so dangerous that it actively kills you. I'm sure you pay attention to that. People really, you know, that's like, okay. I'm sure you also have 120 days worth of rations on your ship, too. But let's uh, not go there. I mean, it doesn't specify that. But I mean, like the air, like it just, it's one of a good, more... nice round number to think of. I know, but it's something no one's going to pay attention to. <laughs> It's like rations. You got the spell jamming helm. It only costs you 5,000 gold. So it's a crystal rod worth 5,000 gold that you have to use as part of casting the spell. And it consumes the material. And a lot of people are like, that's way too cheap. And I'm with them. That is way incredibly cheap. And they're like, well, no one says that the DM says, uh, no one says that the DM just has to give you a crystal rod worth 5,000 gold. And it's like, well, the crystal rod doesn't even say it's like, a rare crystal rod or right. an uncon it's just a crystal rod well the and then you can buy a spell jamming helm for 7500 gold or 10000 gold so it's like why are these so cheap well two things one it's not specified in the actual ships that a helm comes with a ship um it's assumed and that's great but i mean a ship's going to run you 20000 on the cheap so if you have to throw maybe a helm on top of it, like like I said, it's yeah. one thing that specifies it. So yeah, it feels like an add-on. At least a one-ton be... object that yeah. you have to throw the spell jamming helm on. Yeah. Uh, funny other thing about the, sp- the, the spell jamming helm. When I was back way in the day when I actually played a little bit of spell jammer in 2E, I never really read it too detailed. I always thought like a helm, like it was this crazy like helmet that the person put on with like crazy wires sticking out of it. You get a fancy chair. You get a throne that you sit on yes. and i am your god Ow. but also i mean like chris if you you don't even have to buy a boat though you could just drag the spell jamming helm onto someone else's boat what are they gonna do <laughs> when you're 35 feet above them slowly taking off into the stratosphere like you know fuck you i got my ship well you yeah but at the same time if the person <laughs> someone runs over to it then you have a little uh you have chair combat basically well you have to have a second spell jamming helm to have chair combat yeah i mean if they have a he- they have a helm, no no this you're... is just a random person oh, who's Jesus like Christ. sailing and you're just like i'm gonna steal their galleon and you drag your chair onto their ship and then you fly off while they're yelling at you the magic items are spell jamming helm surprise a fish suit which is just a space suit Mm -hmm. it's basically a it's it's a 1960s space suit yeah and then there's the wild space orary which just when you arrive in a wild space system it automatically populates with all the planets Mm -hmm. and their positioning and things like that yeah just a fancy map 
the only thing I want to talk about with uh, spell jamming ships and ship to ship combat is repairing a ship is expensive. You can repair one hit point of damage uh, to a birth ship uh, over the course of one day and cost 20 gold for materials and labor. Or, well, a ship uh, like the Bombard has do, do, 300 hit points. So that's really expensive to fix until you read down to the next <laughs> paragraph, which is the mending cantrip. Yeah, I know. Is a cheaper and less time-consuming way to make repairs. Casting mending on a damaged ship or shipboard weapon restores a number of hit points to the target equal to 1d8 plus a spellcaster spellcasting ability modifier. The target can regain hit points from that spell no more than once per hour. So, so what you're telling me is a cantrip is way better than like skilled laborers yes uh what's Magic. the point in having people skilled in fixing ships uh nothing just have a single first level wizard at a space dock and be done with it it's <laughs> i have something written down i know you it's do. infuriating how little thought is there for fixing a ship except in the adventure there is a misprint that a wizard has in their spell book for repair object uh which is a spell which points to this book, but it got removed from this book. So maybe they had something, but then took it out. So now it's just purposeful to make magic way better than everything else, like always in this fifth edition game. Well, magic, low, tiny powered spells. Mending was only supposed to be for like minor cracks or like a tear in clothes. Yeah. And instead you're basically obliviating anywhere from like, 20 gold to like 140 gold or more in uh ship repair costs and recovering you know like one to 13 hit points or 14 hit points and like a single go of it like well two things two <laughs> it's things. a cantrip two things on that i agree cantrips way could too... have been like the fabricate spell it yes it's way too powerful for a cantrip um However, they needed to figure out some way to do it when you're traveling through space because they say a damaged ship can only be fixed basically at a dry dock. Hey, there's they, plenty of space where they could have kept in the repair ship, repair yes. object spell. Especially um, since you could... they could have just kept in. With, yeah, okay, so the damage to your ship, let's say, is on the bottom of it. Gravity plane allows you to walk down uh -huh. and then walk over and then you repair the ship that way. You want to keep mending spell fine it's one hit point one hit point maybe once per day once per day and then hey you can actually repair your ship during your flight but it's also going to require someone to have the skill the tools and they should have switched it so it's one hit point for the mending spell once per day and then if you actually have skilled artisans it's 1d8 plus their proficiency bonus mm -hmm. once per day and it's still, you know, you, you can still just say it's 20 gold for that 1d8 plus proficiency yeah, bonus to fix it. Or 20 gold for each hit point. I don't care which one. But, like, why do we keep going out of, like, why does Watsy keep going out of the way and just making magic the answer to everything? Well, it's infuriating. Except for the fact that when the player who's the skilled artisan has to spend all their fucking time... Fixing the goddamn ship because the person that's using the spelljammer helm doesn't know how to drive the thing, and you get pissed off because you can't do anything else. And I'm done with my rant because we're playing a Pathfinder uh, campaign, and that's all I've been doing ever since. Chris is upset that the pirate ship keeps being used as a weapon and breaking. It's, it, we don't even have a ram. All right, keep going. <laughs> yeah, but then you'd have to fix the ram. 
<laughs> so then, uh, so that brings us to the end of Spelljammer information. Well, we, we have then, all the ships. Well, we now have uh, taking up six. Uh, so there's 64 pages of information in this book. And uh, how many pages is that? That's uh, oh, 31 pages of awesome Spelljammers. Yes, which is awesome if the book had more information for everything else. Instead, sure. it's one page is dedicated to an entire ship map, which is cool. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. What am I doing with this? Again, ship to ship combat is um, nothing. Yeah, but I'm the player and I want to know what my ship looks like. And then there is on the opposite page from it, it's half a, a page of artwork, which the artwork is like, holy shit. Yeah, this is it's fucking fantastic. Like each ship looks amazing. And I want to fly all of them. And then below it, it's a tiny little, not even a stat block. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a okay. summary and it's useless information. Well, not useless. It has the armor class for the ship, the hit points, the damage threshold, their fly speed, which is garbage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. How much cargo they can carry, the crew, how long it is, and then the cost to buy that ship. If you want to read. Well, I don't know it, if that includes a spell jamming helm or not. I'm going to assume it And that's the thing. I don't think it does. It doesn't I specify it. If you want to add it does. But I would assume it does. I, I assume if you're buying a Shrike ship or a Night Spider, you're getting a spell jamming helm too with it. Or else it's not really a complete ship. Yeah. Well, if you want to read more about the ships and the lore behind each ship from the early editions, I did do. I wrote no. on them. So There will be a link to Chris's no, article. Not that you read them. So, I mean. They are... I already know all these ships, Chris. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, but you know the lore. You don't know the ships. Okay. But because they've made made some interesting changes to some of the ships and then just kept the other ones exactly the same, uh, which is is cool. Uh, The... They're missing a couple really cool ships. I'm currently working on creating some homebrew for the missing ships from... There were were probably 30 to 40 ships back in in the day. Don't... Think that they have the kobold spelljammer ship I gave you guys. What was the trailer? Was it for Baldur's Gate? The one of the first or second trailers that came out, where uh, the Nautiloid was just—I think that was the first zipping one. through, going through the the portal they could create the different universes. Oh, no, and, that might have been the second one. Yeah, that, that ship is terrifying. It has been terrifying ever since Two E. The art on it is freaking crazy good, and it's a ship full of mind flayers. That it. That's that's good. That's amazing yet terrifying yeah. at the same time. <laughs> Screw it's you, so barbarian awesome. animal wolf totem <laughs> or bear totem barbarians who are um, resistant to all damage except psychic. Yeah, no crap. They are. Uh, if you didn't figure it out, they're real big on ships being af- like looking like fish or animals. It mm. was just the. It was just the you know it, they're based off of I what mean, they were to eat or the tyrant ship which is yeah, just a massive round thing that's filled with beholders yeah that's you just run away when you see one of those but i mean the bombard's the best one because that's the gift ship and it's a huge cannon with yep. a boat strapped to it yeah pretty much um there's it the thing that all right first off i do miss the pyramid ship because mm-hmm. it's a it's basically a giant pyramid floating through space it was well very... we're not going to get it chris because they're not doing any more spell dreamers i'm making it at the moment mm-hmm. um it's going to take forever but uh it reminds me of uh stargate it's what i pictured you know mm-hmm. them flying around in the there's a part in here where they write about you know hey these ships are used for x great every ship it can be a warship it can be a pirate ship or it can be a trader's ship. 
It's over the same thing over and over and over again. Why bother? Either don't put that in there or say, hey, this ship is not a trader ship because you know what? It has such a small cargo hold, it makes no sense. Now, every ship can be like that. There should be pirate ships. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about conversions. Conversions will cost way too much money. Pirates like, you know, the bombard because they have lots of weapons on them. Or that would be a warship. Flat, you know, straight yep. and simple. I don't know. That seemed like a waste of space, but I do love the. Uh, yeah, I do they, love the spaceships. They could have definitely added more information there, but it, it is what it is. The last part of the book is six pages on the Rock of Brawl, which is just kind of like the why. It's. I mean, the Rock of Brawl was a big thing in Spelljammers 2E, so you know they're just bringing it back as a place for you to have your Spelljamming adventures. If you don't want to immediately start giving the the players Spelljammers to fly around in, you want to you know start them off small. Then this is a good way for them to slowly earn their Spelljammer while still being in Spelljammers the setting. It felt weird. It felt tacked on at the end it kind of is yeah so anyways um, yeah i mean it's it's i don't even think the adventure touches on it so you know it's just it's just there uh it's weird because they said that the rock of brawl can appear in either like you can they don't give you a specific area where it is or like it can either be in a wild space system know, or it can be in the astral weird. plane we don't know where to put it you figure it out and the issue though is if it's in the astral plane People don't age there. So if you had a child, it would just forever be a baby out the astral plane (laughs) until the Rock of Brawl finally slips into like a wild space thing. And then they would slowly start aging like a regular child. Maybe they just send them off to spend time with their grandparents. You can't really put it in the astral plane and it makes sense as a community because then you have to take everything they've already written about the Rock of Brawl throw it out the window and reimagine what a civilization would look like where if you have a baby you're stuck with that baby until you can leave and let it grow up for 18 years and then you can like come back to the rock of brawl i am a little surprised that they didn't adjust that to with all the sci-fi that's come out since then to put some sort of they have an air bubble yeah, but I mean that's like the whole thing with like a Star Trek warp field where it's around the ship so that you stay on the same timeline as mm. other people do on planets. Uh, it would have been a lot. It, yeah, it, it, you know what? It could be a magical field because magic solves everything. Eh, times wibbly wobbly. All right. Uh, so wow, we spent a lot more time yeah, so talking much- about sixty-four page book than I thought we would. When like 31 pages of it are just ships. Because I like ships. But we didn't talk about them. Uh, so we're, we'll, we'll jump over to booze. And then I'll say a couple of things about the adventure. Okay. Just gripes. I'm sure everyone's excited for. Uh, so the booze astral menagerie is just the monster book. Um, it has the nice thick pages. So it looks like it's more than it actually is. And all of the monsters are really cool. Uh, I was thrown off by the space clowns because they didn't i don't know the reasoning for space clowns kind of makes sense when you read through it's like all right great spell jammer's weird it's fun space clowns were because a trickster god got a hold of a entire wild space system and basically corrupted them and now like clowns are like they're like revered thing and now they just go around murdering people it felt like they wanted to make uh reavers from uh yeah 
I could see that. You know, but they couldn't. Or they couldn't be like, okay, we can't go that dark where they're it, just cannibals eating everybody. So you know, we love Firefly. We the movie Serenity was based around them, but we'll make them clowns. It yeah, seems like a great. cheesy fifties movie. It's like when space clowns attack from oh, space or or maybe one of the maybe one of them was a huge fan of killer clowns from outer space a horrible 80s oh that's probably uh, what i'm thinking of then. yeah it was an 80s horror movie one of the first that's horror movies i saw where it's from it was horrible uh but i mean all these monsters are cool the artwork's great there's giant space hamsters their cr is way too low in my opinion for what they are um actually we did a deep dive on giant space hamsters as part of our april fools <laughs> monsters which i will link as well and i made my own version of giant space hamsters where you can customize it for all your different giant space hamster needs uh link down below uh but you get stat blocks for different types of astral elves i like that there's a bunch of different crs for them so you can have them in different situations mm-hmm. you got auto gnomes uh, you got murder comments, uh, eye mongers, which are like faux beholders made out of rock. More gifts, gift Yankee pirates. Um, you got lunar dragons. Dragons are always amazing. You got a megapede, which is a gargantuan centipede. Ugh. How can you not talk first about murder comments? <laughs> I mean, they insane. are insane. They do what's on the ten. They murder. That should be the first thing you talk about. Evil spellcasters create murder comments by c- combining the essence of earth elementals with that of fire elementals. Yes. So they're unhappy with life, and then they explode into your ship, dealing a ton of damage. And then, like, all the skilled craftsmen are like, I'll handle this. And then the lowly, shitty wizard's like, done. Yeah, well, you know, or the wizard goes completely nuts and binds their spirit to the comet, and then a giant, the murder comet coming at you, has the face. Mm. of that wizard that's got to be terrifying we are ta- there any other monsters you want to look at no well yeah because there's a we were talking about you were complaining about races that are all humanoids yeah now, granted they're humanists but the doar that are right below them they're penguin people is that d oh yeah. that is d i was excited Penguin people i want to talk are, about them why are they not there's penguins <laughs> there's penguins also they're in uh so they are what was it there's something amazing about them they have hands they have little paws. Oh, they always look for an opportunity to turn a pro- uh, a profit. And so they do secret dealings in dark alleys and out-of-the-way places, uh, specializing greedy. in illegal and dangerous <laughs> substances. Like, great. They're, they're black market penguins. It's awesome. That That is, I mean, the pictures alone, they're all wearing... Uh, cloaks with why hoods. wasn't that a race that you could play as that's what i'm saying they're, that would have been way better they're they're mischievous penguins <laughs> chaotic penguins that's fantastic i'm about to do me a illegal activity yeah and i'm dressed for the occasion of my exactly. nice black and white suit. oh and i don't have flippers i have weird little paws that make me look like they're a, a little creepy in that good yeah um the other one was the uh i'll butcher it the rigar rigar um how do you spell it and uh, r-e-i-g-a-r so they're humanoids that developed evolved from octopus basically yeah i don't know why they're so human looking they could have if they had changed base if they had changed their appearance they're pretty cool they get their own spell jammer which is also nice and it's actually it's as close to a living spell jammer as we really get in this edition i think there's one other one but uh they're fantastic mm. they look for the beauty in art and war fan fucking tastic 
Yeah. That's a great one. Now, I don't they're, think they too, they're so too humanoid. But man, if you had maybe made them the top half humanoid, the bottom half, uh, the bottom half octopus, like what was the bad with the lady from uh, uh, Ursula? Yeah, yeah. Which look at that. fun cool. fact didn't actually have a name, uh, like a specific name for it until like 2008, when like a fan just kind of edited a Wikipedia article and called them Cecilia. Uh, really? Before that, they never really had like a specific name for them. Cool. Yeah. Didn't know that. Um, or Sakali or something like that. I am a little surprised they brought back the Neogi. Well, the the issue is when you they're huge in Spelljammer. Yeah, they are. The issue is they didn't include the Neogi until Volos, and then Mordekainen presents Monsters of the Multiverse. And so the issue is when you only rely on people having the core books, you gotta reprint things. Just like you have to reprint vehicle combat rules in every single book going forward. Because you're only including things in the core rulebook, and so when you don't add vehicle combat into the Dungeon Master's Guide, you got to reprint it in every single book. So yeah, they do this a lot, where they just have to reprint stat blocks. Yeah, um, I am glad to see that they included vampires because vampires actually were a vampires. Big part. Well, they were they were an important part of the original Spelljammer. You know, I got the fancy Spelljammer thing books, and they're all dinged up. Yeah, that's why I'm using the online version. I haven't even touched them that much, and they're already and they're like they were dinged up on Punarai. Well, that's because they cheaped out on the the hardcover part because the pages are those so thick. Uh, uh, any other monsters that you really like in here? No, um, and like we're already running out of time. So what I'm gonna say for Light of Exorcis, the the adventure, is that it is the typical five E adventure, meaning. It is written where the DM is going to have to do a lot of work and it's kind of, it takes place and the players just happen to be there. There's like a lot of cinema, <laughs> cinematic moments. Uh, I don't know why that makes me laugh, but where, I'm sorry. Yeah, there's like a lot of cinematic moments where like things happen and then it's like, once that thing happens, you can then ask the DM what, or like the DM can then ask the players what, what they do in response. And so it, it doesn't really feel like an adventure written with the idea that the players have any choice as to what's going to happen. Like one minor example is the players are forced to go into a Coliseum death match so that they can get some answers. And, uh, the, the arcane, um, has three different monsters. He's going to force the players to fight. At the end of it all, he makes a mistake and accidentally has a guppy appear before them to fight. Okay. And then it's like, oop, wrong one, beep, beep, boop. And then a massive like worm appears and eats the guppy. And instead of like giving the players a chance to respond, the DM is just reading a wall of text to the players and telling them what's happening in the world. And they don't get a chance to interact with the adventure. They don't get a chance to be like, well, no. Per our agreement, like, you know, like, this is the third monster, we're fighting this. They can't use persuasion or whatever to sway the arcane to their side to see things their way. Or they can't try and rescue the guppy from being eaten by this massive worm because their actions don't matter to the adventure. The adventure is going to happen whether the players are there or not. And it's just a very frustrating way of reading how an adventure plays out. It, it seems more like a movie's being played out than players going on an adventure so it's the typical new railroading adventure yeah it's you know you just kind of hope for a 64 page adventure when it takes up a third of the books that you know it would be an interesting fun adventure to go through and you know it just 
sucks that an official product is so railroady and like really forces things to go one specific way throughout it. Well, maybe that's because which made me not want to read the adventure because it yeah. lacks. Maybe it's because players have a tendency, like when you know they walk into a bar and the, you know, the mysterious person in the corner that is obviously the person they're supposed to go talk to for the information, and as they're walking over, they're like, "Oh, something shiny," or "I think I'll talk to the barmaid instead, the small goblin barmaid." It, they, they, we get distracted so easily. I guess they just want to keep things moving along. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's just frustrating how it's written, but. That is the Spelljammers box set. Uh, we spent 70 bucks for each copy of it we mm-hmm. got because we did support our local game store. I'm just going to go ahead and say, not worth 70 bucks. I would not buy it again for 70 bucks. Maybe, you know, 40, 50 bucks, sure. Well, we got the fancy copy. Was it cheaper? It, no, no, it's still 70 bucks oh, wow, for the really? basic copy. Okay. Um, so, you know, hmm. if you can get it cheaper, I definitely would <laughs> for what it is. Well, and, I mean, this is one of those ones you have to buy the pack, right? You can't yeah, buy yeah, you can't buy the individual books. You have to buy the, the box set. Yeah, I I liked the... I don't know. It just leaves me wanting a, actual substance. Well... I'm excited for Spelljammers. I was really excited for this and for it to, like, bring Spelljammers to 5e, but it's just kind of there. It doesn't provide much beyond what you could have already guessed if you had like the basic understanding of what spell jammers were you could have done everything that's in these books it's not like they bring anything new or or bring anything that you couldn't have done on a dreary saturday morning before your game that evening okay um the adventurer's guide yeah i can see where from your standpoint it really lacks substance it does. It's just disappointing. Like, it's there, and it's, hey, here's how speed works. Uh, you go 100 million miles per day, or you go your fly speed if you hit an air envelope. Uh, we did not check the math on the air envelopes and how fast you're going in your spell jammer. No. Yeah. Or we did, and you're supposed to spend two to three months flying out of a planet's air envelope. No, that, yeah, that could happen. I I, I, that, I I don't know. I am going to assume that's what they meant because that's the numbers they put That really bothers there. you, doesn't it? It just... I was impressed with the fact that they threw in 16 ships. Now, I know you feel like that's filler. I don't. I mean, ships are, it, ships are the most important part. You can't do anything in uh-huh. Spelljammer without a ship. It feels like filler because they spent 31 pages showing off it in a 64 page book when they could have been doing something else with that page space true but again you can't do anything in Spelljammer without a ship so i think I it's know. space well used plus we get they the best con- we get the best art out of the out of the uh, entire that's book that's fair the ships do have the best art out of pretty much everything in here this, like the Spelljammer ship art is amazing i would have liked it if they were like if they shrunk the light of exorcist adventure down to like level one to three level mm-hmm. five whatever i don't even actually remember how many levels is supposed to span I don't know. like if they shrunk that down uh and just gave all that page space to the astral adventures guide we could have had so much more information usable information because what you'll run the adventure once and then never pick up this book again okay because that's pretty much what's going to happen and you might not even run this adventure so you'll glance through it and be like interesting and then never pick up this book again and only use those other two books so you're wasting a third of what you bought i get it but 
the game the you we both know the game the the direction the game has moved in is less crunch more free-flowing make shit up as you go along they really embraced the entire uh there was the part i think it's the there's a paragraph in the beginning of the one e dungeon master's guide which basically says i mean that book is filled with more goddamn information that is like it's about as crunchy as you can get it's it, it's worse than three e there's a chart and table for everything the the rules are drilled down so deep but there's a line in there that basically says use what's good for you make up whatever you want we're cool with that and it wasn't gygax that wrote that section i forget who it was that's what's happened to the game they've taken the rules and watered them down and removed them so much so that unless unless you're one of those players that that writes reads all those rules (laughs) it doesn't make a difference they're just going to free flow it as they go along and want the players to talk to each other but the issue is it's just the dm will decide well the dm doesn't have any rules to go off of doesn't have any support from the books to know how to make a decision well because most dms are just going to make the shit up yeah but they should on the fly to if they have information they can go back to they can be like oh i actually have support i actually understand how this is supposed to work but most are too lazy to read it, though. You don't know that. You're not. I would guarantee you many people are. People, this goes back to what I've been saying. Chris, you're being very mean to our listeners. People would rather, it's not about combat. It's about role I'm play. not saying it's about combat. I'm saying no, no. there's no rules for anything. There's no substance. Because they don't care about that portion of the game. They want people to talk to each other and have fun. Yeah, the... Astral Adventurer's Guide. I don't have much of a problem with it, but I'm not. I haven't really been DMing at all. The, Whose fault is that? Yours. <laughs> uh, the booze makes it kind of worth it. Not seventy dollars worth it, but yeah, they put in good monsters. I think they did a really good job with that. I love monsters, so you know I'm happy for that. And Why more great art. I don't know. Maybe I'll run that adventure. Probably not. Yeah. I'll take pieces of it for It'll inspiration. Take years before I run it, probably, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'll eventually use that book. Probably not, though. So I think we can say the best part about the book was the art? <laughs> yeah, the art was great. Hey, if you just want art, get this book. Yeah. So well, books. are we doing scale of 1 to 10? Well, uh, we'll we'll each do scale of 1 to 5. We'll combine it together for our final score. So, Chris, mm-hmm. scale of 1 to 5, what do you think? No, what do I have to go first? Uh, okay. Uh, Steven, scale of one to five, what do I think? Uh, lukewarm, two and a half. Ooh, wow. wow. I mean, I'm excited for Spelljammer, so that's are where you, I get the two from. Are you are you basing that off of uh, value versus cost, or just overall disappointment well, with the Not necessarily the cost, because you could get this a lot cheaper on D&D Beyond. Mm-hmm. It is expensive for what it is, but like, how much I can use out of this, how much work I have to do after getting what i can out of this and that's how i got to two and a half like i'm not going to use the adventure so that's a third of it just out the window booze astral menagerie lots of great monsters i'm excited for that i could have bought it for cheaper on uh dnd beyond yep um, which we did too <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there's astral adventurer's guide which you know some of it's useful i guess well, that's being it that's revamped as, the setting so I, i'll give it you know that's about as kind as you've said about it the entire time um wow that's or i could just go back and read through my old 2 e books uh, i i know you're gonna yell at me for this i'll give it a four all right just not if all right taking out if you want to talk about value versus cost yeah then i'm probably at a two and a half with you but overall wow, i'm giving the price that much changes yeah it's expensive as fuck dude for the average person 
Uh-huh. That's a lot of money. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, thank God Dumps that paid for it. Thank you, patrons. Uh-huh. Um, the, advent- the, the Adventures Guide, again, biggest thing for me is impressed with their 16 ships. I know you feel like it's filler, but my opinion on why that's important I mean, is different than yours. I feel it's filler, not filler at the same time. Um, Rule-wise, yeah, they're lacking a lot. There's a lot lacking, and I could have easily given it, it said 3.5, but the information they give is enough to get you started in Spelljammer. Some of the score comes from, hey, they introduced Spelljammer. Yay! I mean, that that's a big piece, too. They brought it in. Will they do anything with it? I don't know. No, they're not um, going to touch the setting again. Yeah. Booze, fantastic. Yeah. I, the, you know, the monsters are great. Throwing out the fact that, yeah, I think stat blocks are stupid, um, but that's been the same for everything. I mean, that's just 5e. They're great monsters, and you can adjust them to, and they say, adjust them to put them in different settings. I mean, they so do. So you that. can. Okay. I can't wait to run into space clowns right. that aren't in space. Um, I didn't, <laughs> they're just regular clowns. Yeah. I didn't read. <laughs> um, all right, killer clowns. Uh, from outer space. Like I said, clowns, Chris. Yeah, exactly. Now, I didn't read the adventure. I don't really give a shit about the adventure. I Even if I do DM, I would never use it, which knocks the score down a little bit. But So, yeah. So, you are fine with a third of it being useless? Yeah. Okay. That, that's fine. I mean, that I'll, I'll read it and maybe get some inspiration out of it. Sure. But yeah. the fact alone that they brought this back, I think it's a neat thing they brought back. I mean, it's not Greyhawk, but... It's probably what could be Greyhawk, Chris. Mm, only Greyhawk. But worth the money? Eh, worth the money on D&D Beyond? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so you got four. I have two and a half. 6.5. Yeah. Well, it's a D. Slightly <laughs> warmer than lukewarm. Anything else? No. Uh, we don't have an upcoming product to talk about next time. So we're, uh, I think the survey for 1D&D will be uh starting actually tomorrow uh september 1st so mm-hmm. you know that'll be interesting to see what survey questions they have there but otherwise you know like we'll we'll pick a topic we'll talk about some random stuff about rpgs and D and whatnot and um if you enjoy the podcast make sure you follow us on twitter uh there's a link because i don't remember what our twitter address is yeah right there. uh in reddit um, you can also join the patreon dump. and help support us over at dumb stats um as always, Stephen, thank you so much. 